0: Um, so this is the point uh, in our service where Tom is going to come and speak to us from the Bible. Oh, he's got a flip chart, oh, a whiteboard. This is exciting. A bit old school for you though, Tom. You're normally... Oh, oh lots of props. Oh, I don't know any jokes. I'm not very good with jokes, as all of our Alpha team know. Um, uh, can I pray for you before... Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Father God, we, we thank you for Tom. Thank you for the ways that he uh, sacrificially serves you, Jesus. Thank you for all the, the time and the energy in, a, in the midst of a busy week, in the midst of working uh, hard um, that he's put aside to to prepare this talk, to really sort of grapple with your word and to explain it to us and to uh, help us apply it to our lives. I pray, Lord, for just a, a blessing and an anointing on his word. Today and I pray for each one of us that you will open our hearts, soften our hearts to hear what it is that you want to say to us. Be let us be inspired today, wherever we are on our faith journey, that we might uh, take something away from this morning. In Jesus' name,
1: Amen. Amen. Thanks, Deb. Just move this a little bit more. It is very old school. Um, (laughs) Cool, hello, good morning. Uh, My name is Tom. um, And yeah, it's great to be opening up the Bible together um, this morning. Um, Like Deb just alluded to in her prayer, I'm part of the team, but I I work a full-time job, um, and I am a web developer. Um, Not this kind of web developer, though. Um, No, I work with websites, so it's much more like computer screens and coding. Uh, now the company that I work for, um, we had an, an away day around Christmas time, and we took the chance to celebrate the different disciplines or, or roles within our company. And the activity that we had, there was sort of a fair, there were lots of stands, um, the activity that the developer stand put on was coming up with some basic coding for how, or for how you would code a sandwich-making robot. Okay. Now you might think, oh, that's really easy. I know how to make a sandwich. But when you start listing out the assumptions of what can what can the robot do? What ingredients has it got access to? How does a robot open a fridge? You know, things like that, the list starts to get long. And then you think about the actual actions of making a sandwich. It's it's really quite complicated. Now, why am I talking about that? Well, we are going to, with the help of, of the whiteboard, um, talk about something like that. I want us as a group to figure out how do I turn this lamp on? What are the steps that I need to turn this lamp on? Uh, what things need to be in place for me to be able to do it? And it's interactive. So does somebody you want to shout on, how do I turn this lamp on? Plug it in. Yeah, let's... You'll have to excuse my handwriting as well. Um, Plug it in. OK. Well, let's plug it in. OK, yeah. Uh, So make sure there's electricity. Is that? uh, Ensure electricity. (laughs) It does say electricity. what else? It's still not on. Why? Why is that? Find the switch. Yeah, sure. Uh, switch on. I'll, I'll just combine them. So, switch it on. Okay. Let's do that. Ta-da! Okay. How how do I keep it on? Pay the bill. Pay the bill yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pay bill. And what happens if the bulb goes? What do I need to do to keep it shining? Re- replace the bulb. So we need to maintain it as well. OK. Is there anything else that you think, how, how do I keep that light bulb going? Anything that needed to happen before we even had an electricity supply? In, discover electricity, maybe? Uh, yeah, and invent the light bulb. Uh, OK. I'm pretty sure those two go the other way around. Um, uh, Involve the bulb. Cool. So, hopefully, you can see that if you follow these down this way, you end up with a light that's shining and that continues to shine. Now, why are we talking about? light bulbs (laughs) in such detail, and lamps, Um, well, I'd like to suggest that the Christian life is a little bit like this journey that we've talked about. Firstly, it's far more complicated than it looks like on the surface. Um, But I'd also like, I also want to suggest that before we turn to God, before we know him, life can be like a little bit like being in darkness. Like, it's difficult to, to see the light in this bright room, but if it was dark, it would really stand out. You know, before we have a relationship with God, um, we can sometimes feel hopeless. You know, how is justice going to be done if there's no one who's making sure that it happens? What can give us meaning in our lives? Is it all about what I do, my job? Is it about my family? How do we find that value? How do we find that hope? I'd like to suggest that it's through knowing God that that light in our lives is turned on. Deciding to commit your life to Jesus is like switching it on. That's when the light starts to shine. But if we think that switching the light on, becoming a Christian, deciding to follow Jesus is the start of the journey, then we've sort of missed a lot of the things that come before. Because with the Christian journey, with knowing and following Jesus, a lot has to happen before we even make that decision. With the lamp, we need to have a bulb. We need to have electricity. And to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, it means that we need, firstly, Jesus to come. And we need that way to be saved. And before we even existed, God created that way. See, this might be familiar to many of you, but um, we believe that the issue is that human beings are self-serving. We're rebellious at heart. And we see that in the Bible when we read about Adam and Eve living in perfect harmony with God, with each other, with the planet. And then they decide to follow their own path, to rebel against God. And they fall into temptation. They eat the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And then from, from then on, we see both in the Bible and human history how humans have sought to follow God. They've sought to do good, to, to make things in their own strength. But it never works out. We call uh, a churchy word that we use is sin for those sort of self-serving and rebellious attitudes. And because God is good, he's perfect, he's loving, he is just, it creates a barrier between us. And so for us to have a relationship with him, we need to be forgiven. And that's where Jesus comes in. He is one of the the precursors to our lights being turned on. So God sent Jesus, his one and only son, to earth to be born as a baby, to live the perfect life and to die on the cross for our sins, for those things that we do wrong. Jesus is crucified And justice is done. The sins of the world are laid on him. So we then have a way to be forgiven. It's like electricity has been invented. then three days later, he rises again. He defeats death. And not only can we be forgiven now, but we have a hope of eternal life. The light bulb is invented. So it's because of what Jesus did that we can be forgiven by God for our wrongdoing, and we have access to the Father to be able to talk and listen to him, and it's such wonderful news. Because of Jesus, we can find meaning in this life, and we can have a hope to the life to come, for the life to come. Jesus is the reason that our light can be switched on. So our reading from today uh, for today comes from Titus chapter 3, uh, yeah, there we go, uh, verses 3 to 8 and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And I think these verses that that we've been looking at are a wonderful summary of what I was just talking about. It speaks about wrong attitudes, the malice, the envy um, that humans have. And how Jesus came to save us, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his love and mercy. We done nothing to deserve it, but he saved us anyway. And then it speaks of the hope that we have of eternal life because Jesus rose again. So I'd like just this morning um, to focus on a couple of, uh, of a phrase in, the, in this passage, uh, and that is this. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ. Because today, as, um, as Deb and Rachel have already said, we are celebrating Roz's baptism. And that is that washing of rebirth. Now, baptism is the strange ritual. And unless you're into acting, you probably don't do much theater. But again, as was mentioned earlier, um, baptism is a theatrical acting out. It is literally um, actions speak louder than words. Other examples of that kind of thing might be holding your hands up. I can't get to my weapon. I'm vulnerable. I'm fully surrendering to you. You can say you surrender, but if you've got your hand next to your sword or your gun, then yeah, you you can act against that. It it sort of it makes it even more powerful. Another one might be kneeling to propose. It's sort of making yourself vulnerable. It's showing respect to your partner and a vulnerability that is really apt for that action of asking someone to marry you. But baptism takes that a step further. It acts out a drowning a death to our old lives. But it doesn't end there. Roz will probably be quite glad of that. (laughs) But there's a a second part to it. It's that rising up out of the water, that being born into a new life in Jesus. And Jesus speaks about this, in fact. Um, He has a late-night encounter with a religious leader called Nicodemus. And he says that... um, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Entering the kingdom of God means that we need to be born again, both of water and the spirits and the Spirit. Baptisms weren't this unique thing that Jesus did. In fact, it existed far, you know, long before him. And he, in fact, was uh, baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. But the baptisms of followers of Jesus aren't just about going in the water and repenting of the sins. But it's more um, than that. It's the dying to the old way of life. It's the being reborn into a completely new way of living. Maybe you're here this morning. And you've never been baptized. Maybe you haven't flicked that light switch on. You haven't made that decision to follow Jesus. You might have doubts or questions. And that's okay. It doesn't stop you from flicking the switch on, from seeing the light in your life. And if you are on the fence, do have a chat to myself, have a chat to to Deb or Rachel or or anyone else. uh, And we'd happily talk uh, talk it through with you. But the passage in Titus doesn't, talk, doesn't just talk about the, the washing of rebirth, but it talks about the renewal of the Holy Spirit. I think part of that is that action of flicking on the switch. When we're baptized, we're also baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we'll see that later. We'll be praying for ros to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts of the Apostles, we read of how people are baptized in water but hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. So it's a really important process of getting baptized, is receiving the Holy Spirit. But as we saw with our lamp analogy, switching it on isn't the end of uh, of the action. It's all well and good turning the switch on, but if you don't keep it plugged into its power source, if you don't replace the lamp, uh, the the bulb, if it breaks, then it will go out. Now that's where the daily renewal of the Holy Spirit comes into it. The Holy Spirit helps us to keep shining. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As I said earlier, our minds uh, as human beings are are self-serving. They're rebellious. And it's only by being filled by the Holy Spirit and seeing his fruit grow in our lives that our attitudes become more like Jesus' attitudes. Attitudes where we put others first and where we see those fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you look at yourself, do you see attitudes that you don't like? Envy. Envy. Greed, lust, anger, and selfishness. I certainly see those in myself sometimes. But the Spirit's fruit changes us. He renews us. And I want more of that. So how does that happen? Well, firstly, we need to be filled by the Spirit. And maybe you haven't felt full of the Spirit recently. Maybe you're feeling dry or worn out. Or maybe you don't even know if you've ever been filled. We're going to be praying later this morning for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. So do get involved when that happens. But more than just being filled, we need to be listening. The Holy Spirit isn't just some sort of abstract power that we gain uh, when we become Christians. The Holy Spirit is God living in us. God is very present in our mortal bodies that he decides to make his temple that means that he is with us, he goes with us, he speaks to us, he listens to us. And so we need to be listening to him. Um, in, after talking about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, Paul goes on to say that we need to stay in step with the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a parade or um, even at the Cayley, you need to be aware of what's happening around you, aware of the music, the rhythm, who's walking in front of you and what what foot they're putting forward as you do. If you're not aware of that, then you can end up tripping each other over. So when we keep in step with the Spirit, we need to watch and listen to make sure that we're doing what, what the Spirit wants us to do. I think that's why that Titus passage um, goes on to talk about devoting ourselves to doing good because that is the kind of stuff that the Holy Spirit wants us to be doing, good and loving things. Now, as I come to a close, um, let's have a look at where we go from here. Now, this might be the first time you've ever heard the good news about Jesus, the first time that you've realized that the light in your life can be switched on. Maybe... You, you're thinking, oh, how do I receive Jesus into my life? If that's you, in just a second, we're going to pray a prayer, and I'll invite you to echo that in your heart. But maybe you have switched the light on, but it's starting to go dim. Maybe you've, you've wandered away. You haven't kept connected to the source of power. Maybe this morning is a chance to recommit yourself as Roz is getting dunked and is dying and rising again uh, in that action of baptism. Maybe uh, you would like to echo a prayer as well, saying, yes, God, I want to to do this life with Jesus. But maybe your light is shining, it's all going great, but we need to maintain that that brightness. We need to stay connected to the source of power. And we'll be praying again um, for another filling of the Holy Spirit so that we can be renewed, our minds can be renewed by him. So I'm going to invite the band up and if you're able to, why don't you stand up with me? So um, maybe if, if you're one of those people who wants to turn to Jesus, who wants to flick the light switch on or to turn back to him after maybe wandering away, maybe echo this prayer silently in your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've thought or done wrong in my life. I take a moment to bring to mind anything that's on my conscience right now. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
0: Amen.